Welcome to the Real Estate Asia podcast, where industry leaders discuss emerging trends and business models, their upcoming developments, and how the real estate industry is evolving. Here's your host. Hi, I'm Fidea from Real Estate Asia. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today, we will have an exclusive interview with JLL Philippines. In this interview, we will discuss JLL's outlook on the Philippines' real estate market. And joining me today is Janlo de los Reyes. He is the head of research and consulting of JLL Philippines. Welcome, Janlo. Hi, Fidea. Good afternoon, and thank you for having me here under this podcast for Real Estate Asia. Good afternoon, Janlo, and thank you very much for joining me today. Let me start by asking, what is the general outlook on the residential sector this year? Is the high-end market still going to show stability amidst the challenging times? So our current view for the year is that we anticipate the residential market to remain subdued, at least in the near term, with a gradual recovery beginning next year. And this is in tandem with the vaccine rollout on higher inoculation across the Philippines and even across the globe, as well as the economic recovery for the country. I think if you're going to look at the data that we have for the first quarter of the year, vacancy rates for the residential market is quite high. So this, in fact, increased to 7.3% in the first quarter of the year compared to around 7% in the previous quarter and way higher than the 3.5% that we saw in the first quarter of 2020. So this speaks towards like the weak incentivity and conditions that we're seeing in the market. Because if we're going to look at the residential demand for the high-end market, it's really driven by expatriate and corporate housing. And as you know, with the travel bans and with a lot of companies putting their expansion plans on hold, we did also see that affect the leasing activity for residential um, products as we saw more weak demand for, let's say, new units for corporate housing. And that has also slowed down, even if you look at the middle market, where a lot of people are working from home. So there is really a slower demand for those people who used to be like young professionals looking at residential housing near their place of work. At the same time, also the demand for, let's say, halfway uh, homes including families who have children like studying in let's say, the nearby universities as everyone is basically taking school online. So overall, this has really impacted the market even last year. There was a bit of improvement in the fourth quarter in terms of sales activity since it was the holiday season and saw some sales pick up. And even in the first two months of the first quarter of the year, but definitely with the lockdown in March, we then again saw the decline in terms of sales take up in the market. And that's across segment. So overall, we do think that a lot of the spending, especially big-ticket purchases, will remain to be on the sidelines as a lot of households, especially those who have been affected, for example, by the salary changes or the labor conditions, have actually been impacted in terms of disposable income. So a lot of these residential purchases will also be um, put on hold, and that's what we'll see in the next couple of quarters. Definitely, once the market has improved or stabilized by, let's say, end of the year or even early next year, we're going to see the gradual recovery of the residential market for both the leasing and the sales activity. Are these increase in vacancies more of residential properties located in Metro Manila or it's all over the Philippines? And second is, are these more in condominiums or landed housing? Uh, so it's actually across the board in terms of elevated vacancies. So even if you look at Cebu, Davao, who have like a residential condominium market, all of them also posted higher vacancy levels over the course of this pandemic. Um, yes, in terms of the products itself, we did see a bit of demand spill over to house and lot products. 
and these are mainly coming from let's say Metro Manila residents looking at alternative accommodation in the nearby areas such as Laguna, probably a bit in Clark. But overall, it's really a subdued demand across segments and even across asset types. Now going to the next sector, what major changes are you expecting in the retail sector? Is digital technology going to have a major role in this transition? There's been a lot of changes in this sector over the past year, right? So I think key of which is really the greater prominence of digital technology in terms of retail operations by brands. So I think it's one of the first things that retailers established was really their online presence to make sure that their products are out there. They're able to reach their target customers. They remain accessible to their consumers. Since, as you know, with the lockdowns that happened last year and even up to now, it has really restricted the mobility. And with the absence of vaccine for the predominant period last year and even early this year, we also saw a lot of reluctance from, let's say, the population to really go out there and conduct their purchases at the physical stores, right? So everyone has really turned towards the online space to make their transactions, at least conduct their transactions. And that's coming from both consumers and also retailers alike. And that's what we're also seeing um, recently with the rise of like e-commerce, sales, and even like on-demand service platforms. Like I think most of the population, even all, have really utilized, for example, Grab, Panda, Lalim, and everything else just to accommodate some of their purchases, um, not only for like food and beverage, but also for groceries, right? This is something that we do suspect that will continue moving forward as we saw a lot of people become more, uh, I would say, accustomed to using technology and discuss across demographic. I'm sure like the older generation who was for quite some time quite reluctant uh, in terms of the use of, let's say, online transactions have now been much more open to um, do the transactions online. And I mean, I'll just give an example, like my parents, for the longest time, they trusted, say, doing any online transactions. But the pandemic, like they saw like the value of it you realize that it's safe, that we do have the infrastructure for it. So I think you've seen some change in habits also across demographics and even, let's say, across those people who are like late adopters with regard to technology usage. With regard to, let's say, the online stores and physical stores, I think people sometimes say that it's uh, the online stores are going to replace physical stores. But what we do think is that there will still be that element of physical space that will be important to a lot of customers it really remains part of the experience. And we're talking about retail here, like much like hospitality, it's really an experiential industry now, right? It's really thinking about like how does, how does your customer perceive your brand, let's say from, let's say, on, online space, at the moment they step on the doors, how is the store look like? How does it interact with them? So I think what may happen moving forward is that we do think that there will be a greater role of the digital space in terms of integrating both the offline and online domains for a lot of retailers and ensuring that there's seamless transition in both. I think more importantly is like how do they enhance the experience from let's say offline and online. So there's really no cannibalization in terms of like we're moving everything online. So like the physical store is dead. I don't think that's gonna happen. There might be some brands who will work operate that way. And I think that's the model that they've operated before. But even then, I think we always see the value of having that physical store in place, right? It's really one other way to tap into your customer because the online space can only also do so much. And I think culture-wise, you still have that for like physical or something tangible to see like the product itself, to test it out. And that's what you've seen, for example, with let's see, Lazada and other like pop-up stores just to connect with their customers. And I think it's a good strategy also if you're going to build your online presence. Like 
I think there's still that element of having that physical store, physical space to attract or at least promote your brand and even like to promote that marketing space online for your customers. In terms of physical store, it's really a re-evaluation of the space. As you know, a lot of store closures by brands, even before the pandemic, right? Like a lot of global brands have shut down through their bankruptcy. And we do think that that's going to spill over to the Philippines, especially for those brands who have a presence here. But now with the pandemic, I think a lot of brands are now re-evaluating. Do we really need this physical store? It's really more of reconsidering what kind of format should they use. It's also right sizing. Do we need this enough, this big space for their operations? Or should it be a different format? Like, for example, if we're talking about an F&B, do we need like a full service chain there with all of the tables for dining service? Or could it just operate as takeout? Or really just a limited service for them? So I think that's going to be some of the topics or questions that retailers will ask themselves and using their strategy moving forward. To clarify, will we be seeing more of a hybrid of having retail spaces and online offerings? And will malls continue to have a big role or will they be transforming their spaces? Yeah, on the first one, definitely. So I think it's going to be like an omni-channel. Like you're going to look at how they're going to use the online space to really promote their sales. And if you really think about it, like it's, it's been a conversation for quite some time now. So all of the trends that we're seeing in the pandemic, I would say that part of it has already been existing in the market. So the pandemic has just accelerated these types of trends in terms of prompting retailers' brands to really take action. With regard to most spaces, definitely, we're talking about the potential like further store closures and also like the right sizing of retailers. And definitely that's going to impact, let's see, how malls are structured, right? They really need to offer, for example, 150, 250 square meters of space or will they be offering like smaller spaces moving forward? Right now, I don't think anyone has the answer yet, to be honest. As much as like other asset classes, I think a lot of real estate stakeholders are still assessing how do they move forward beyond this pandemic. And there's still a lot of uncertainty in the market despite the vaccine rollout. And even though that brings a lot of confidence to real estate stakeholders, I think there's still a lot of debate around how do we transform our real estate for the future? How do we make it ready? But I think some of the trends that we may see retained would be like, say, the heightened um, focus on safety, sanitation. I mean, you already seen, seen this now, right? Like everyone's checking your temperature, regardless if it's a mall or an office or even a residential building. It's normal now. You'd also see, for example, the escalator railings, right? It's all UV uh, cleaned. So I think these things, these small adoption will be maintained moving forward. In terms of design, that's something that also will be revisited, like we incorporate larger open spaces at the same time without really sacrificing profitability also, right? How do you balance like the the right amount of, let's see, open space or for circulation to ensure that we reflected learnings from this pandemic, but at the same time having that side for the business also, like allotting enough retail spaces for lease. So it's still a question that is still up in the air. Definitely, I would say that technology will play a larger role in terms of the amenities and even the way that we approach malling and also shopping in general. So that will definitely have an impact on the shopping mall space. Now for commercial real estate, what type of industries are mostly occupying these spaces? Kindly share those occupied both through lease and purchase property. For the office market, um, I guess it's also a quick background or like it's also not spared for the pandemic. If you're going to look at offices now, a lot of them have higher vacancies compared to previous quarters. So, for example, overall Metro Manila vacancy is now at 14.7% in the first quarter of the year. 
that's higher than the 11% that we saw in the previous quarter. So the reason for this is we saw a lot of move-outs and downsizing by, let's say, occupiers. So we saw this great movement from, let's say, the Pogo operators. So as you know, like last year, there was a bit of flight by some operators pulling out of the market. At the same time, for, let's say, the BPO companies, who is basically was the main demand driver for office for a long time now, have really reevaluated their portfolio. So a lot of them have downsized, meaning they've taken up smaller spaces because probably they've been affected by the business. And these types of occupiers are quite sensitive to cost, given the pressure margins of like outsourcing, because the purpose of that is to save money, right? So with the business all slowing down globally, they really have to find ways to at least mitigate or improve their profitability in terms of their operations. So some of them have lower business activity in general, so they need less people. And that has led to their downsizing of their spaces. So that has contributed to this elevated vacancy that we're seeing. By and large, though, like if we're going to take a look at the profile or tenant mix for offices, it's still predominantly held by BPO companies. Of course, you still have that multinational companies who are taking up space in the market. Also with the other, let's say, local companies who either have their own office or are also leasing out in um, different offices across the metro. We have covered so far the residential, retail, and commercial sector. So now, what trends are you seeing this 2021? And until when do you project it to last? Will there be an improvement? Yeah, I think for now, our view with what we're seeing in the market, it's still going to be a subdued, probably a fragile recovery up until the end of the year. I think there is optimism with a vaccine now coming on board. And I think what will determine like the trigger for a lot of real estate decisions is really the vaccine rollout, not only in the Philippines, but across the globe. And more importantly, the impact of that vaccine rollout onto the market. So if we're going to look at longer term, we do expect a bit of recovery beginning, uh, I guess, late this year. And I would say we might have more visibility or clarity by end of the year in terms of the direction or at least the rate of recovery. But we do suspect that there will be unevenness in terms of the industry recovery. So Different asset classes definitely would have different rates of recovery, and I'll elaborate more on that in a bit. I think in the short term, a lot of the players, real estate stakeholders, are really doing what they can, focused on the present in terms of the near-term or interim market dynamics while they're preparing themselves for the recovery that we expect to happen in the latter part of the year or early next year. So for example, what I mean about the interim market dynamics, we're talking about the office market. A lot of the occupiers now are looking at shorter leases. And the reason behind that is they want to make sure that they do have the flexibility to expand or even further downsize as needed, depending on the market conditions in the next couple of quarters. Like what I've said before, like everyone is still discussing how do we move forward, especially for the office market, like everyone is working from home, right? So it, it brings back the question whether the office space is still relevant moving forward. And there's really a lot of views around it. Some, as you know, are doing working from home indefinitely. Some are doing hybrid remote work, meaning two or three days in the office or vice versa at the house. Some really want to be in the office because of the business really necessitates it, that we need to be physically in the office. So these are different views, and that's something that's been discussed at the global level also. And funny enough, if you're going to look at from, let's say, the global companies, they do have like a, they're under like a wide spectrum of whether they want to return to the office have do a hybrid arrangement or even work for, working from home indefinitely. So these are some of the things that will impact the market. And that's the reason why 
lot of occupiers are really just assessing, waiting what's going to happen in the next couple of quarters and maintaining that flexibility for them. For the residential market, we've talked about how it's quite weak. So a lot of developers, even last year, have begun to stop any new launches and just really focusing more on the existing projects that we have. So you've seen the extended payment terms, accommodating some of the requests by their buyers in terms of, let's say, reprocessing their amortization and all of these things. So at the same time, we've also seen the migration of their platforms or their services online. You've seen the virtual inspections, like a lot of the sales activity or transaction also done online. So these are the things that we're seeing now. For the retail market, we talked about like everyone moving online. So that's going to be the case for now. And I think there might be some reversion to, let's say, the physical space after this pandemic. But definitely for now, it's just going to be mainly online. For hospitality, which we haven't covered yet, a lot of hotels are closed because there's really no travel now. So the markets that were heavily impacted were the ones that were relying on the leisure market. So now, what we have are just basically the repatriated overseas Filipinos, right? And that's what's been driving the occupancy for those operating hotels. So that's going to be the same situation probably even until early next year. One of the darlings, though, will be the logistics. So we're talking about quality-grade warehouse spaces. So these are like the ones that are catering to the requirements, let's say, of Shopee, Mazada, and Zalora, who require like high-spec warehouse spaces for their operations. So that's something that we're seeing as a positive, at least as a resilient sector, not only in the Philippines, but across the globe. So if you're going to talk to, let's see, other consultants, even our colleagues from JLL, EMEA, US, APAC, it's been logistics that has been the, the darling for the real estate industry. With that said, though, we do expect also an even recovery across sectors. So it's going to be led by logistics. As I just mentioned, it's been one of the resilient, or if not the only resilient sector that we have seen so far. Office, we do suspect that it's really tied to the vaccine rollout and also how soon it will trigger the re-entry of a lot of employees to the offices. Residential will also lag behind a bit just because it's really tied to the ticket purchases and we do think that from there, it's mainly going to be the high net worth individuals or even the high-end or upscale residential segment leading the recovery for that asset. The reason being is that we think that in terms of disposable income, they have fared better than other income segments who have been hit, for example, by layoffs, repatriation, or maybe salary cuts. And that has really affected their capacity to purchase, let's say, housing or accommodation for their families. Retail and hospitality, we do suspect, will be lagging behind the rest of the asset classes. We talk about like, the reliance of the retail market on the online space, and that's going to continue. But with regard to the physical space, I think that's going to be a different question. So there's going to be a lot of, we think, a bit of right-sizing in terms of portfolio, maybe smaller footprints, maybe less new stores. So that's going to be impacting the market moving forward. Hospitality is really tied to the travel market. So I know we've lifted the ban for international travel, but that's going to be mainly confined for essential travel, business trips. So in terms of recovery, that's what we suspect also. That's going to be led by business trips, followed by the leisure market. Now we are down to the last part of our interview. Kindly share to us other recent interesting research you have done on the real estate sector in the Philippines. Now, you may expound on the topics we have covered earlier or touch upon other sectors as well, like hospitality, logistics, in case you want to add to what you shared earlier, or other sectors. Yeah, I guess from my end, like we wrote about the REAP, 
So we do think that there will be a greater interest towards the REIT market, knowing that a lot of developers are positioning for it, turning into that uh, turning into that domain for the Cedar growth. You've seen Ayala, Donnet already, Double Dragon is also up there. You also heard a lot of developers, SM, Megaworld, Robinsons, Fininvest, they've also expressed their interest to set up their own REIT vehicle. I think we're going to see more interest in this domain or space moving forward by developers and investors alike. And I think it's going to be one of the growth areas for the real estate industry in the next couple of years. I probably just elaborate more on the logistics. We also wrote about it last year. And in our report, we actually forecasted that it's going to grow in the next 10 years in terms of demand. And that's what we're seeing now with the greater reliance on e-commerce. We do suspect that we continue. And now we're seeing more players who are really interested and keen to move into this space. And that's because, you know, it's one of the resilient sectors. At the same time, it's one of the growth sectors that we are anticipating in the medium term. So both local players and investors are looking at that asset class also for their growth strategy. So there. Thank you very much, Janlo. That's been a really insightful session. Lastly, if the viewers are looking to learn more about JLL Philippines and your advice, where can they reach you? You can email me at janlo.delasreyes at ap.jll.com. We also have our website, jll.com.ph. So if you have any questions, shoot me an email. And also visit our website if you want to learn more about our services, our company, and even some of our thought leadership pieces if you want to learn more about the industry, not only in the Philippines, but across the globe. Awesome. That's it for today. I'm Fidean Karnashan, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. For more information, check out realestateasia.com.